Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Inner Fight Podcast. This is 737. I'm joined today by two of our fitness coaches here in a fight, Simon Jones and Kobe Bates. These guys both joined the company pretty similar time towards the end of last year. Incredibly similar and incredibly different personalities at the same time. And I'm sure the conversation we're going to have today will bring both of them out. Simon has for the last 10 years actually been teaching people, certifying people in CrossFit. So if you want to become a CrossFit coach, there's a chance that he might be the teacher of your CrossFit course, which is super cool. And we're incredibly proud to have him as a coach here at Inner Fight. Kobe has been in the region for the last two or three years, coaching down the road in Abu Dhabi. And any of you that have met him know that he is an incredibly entertaining individual. And as we sort of end up talking about towards the latter parts of the show, loves his music. No matter where you are in the world, I hope everyone has had a fantastic week. Thanks a lot for downloading this show. Let's jump into it today with Simon and Kobe. Here we go then, another episode of the show. Mr. Simon Jones, welcome. Hello. <laughs> good, good to be in. <laughs> and, we got uh, the invite. <laughs> it's, almost, it's almost like a boxing match here. I have on my right side Mr. Simon Jones, and if it was a video version you'd see on the left, Kobe. How you doing? Ah, not bad. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I would so lose. <laughs> <laughs> Two coaches that have joined the Inner Fight coaching team. I was, I was sitting there in the introduction in the last six months. Simon, give us a bit of background, mate. Where are you from and how did you get here today? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> wow. Um, well, I grew up here, so Dubai is um, home base for me. Uh, I went to school here and everything and then moved to the UK sort of, um, when was it? Oh, eight. And then uh, that's kind of where I was already kind of messing around with CrossFit and, and things like that. And mm. I was working in fitness first, um, before that for a couple of years and doing all the GX Les Mills programs. Oh. I know, right? Oh. <laughs> so I taught RPM and body pump. We can get onto that later. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> and then I uh, moved to the UK, walked into my first affiliate uh, and loved it. Just seeing the atmosphere in the community within, like, I mean, back then, uh, it was very old school and like, yeah. you know, they had like a secret knock on the door for you to let you in and stuff like that. And, um, and then basically I just fell in love with it and it just seeing what everyone was doing and all the new stuff uh, we were learning. And then um, I was meant, well, I went to the UK because I was meant to go to university. And then two <laughs> this is a good one. Yeah, and then two weeks before I was meant to start, I had an opportunity to open up my own affiliate. And then I went, screw it, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then I haven't looked back uh, since. And then during that time running the affiliate, I had a chance to intern for the CrossFit Seminar staff. And then uh, that was back in 2011. And then, um, yeah, that was an interesting uh, internship. And then I remember <laughs> just sitting down, and it sounded weird because... On my last one, I was getting assessed, and I was uh, there was no chair for me, so I was sitting on my knees. Uh, and then he's like, "Oh, so how, how do you how do you think you did?" I'm like, "Well, I learned a lot of stuff, and uh, it was a good learning experience for me, and I uh, had a lot of fun." Yeah. And then and it's just this long awkward silence. Like, well, you know, there's nothing really uh, much to say, but um, you didn't make it, and just just left me there for a couple minutes. Wow. I was like, "Oh, we just messed with you. You're good." It was just it was an old school <laughs> hazing that they used to do a lot. Uh, and then basically. From then on, I've been uh, working for CrossFit Seminar staff for over 10 years now, um, running all their level one and level two seminars. How many people do you think or do you know you have 
passed as CrossFit coaches or certified, whatever, whatever you call it, however it goes? Um, well, I've done over 300 seminars now. Wow. Uh, I think I'm just shy of about like 320, 330. Wow. Um, so if we average out like 30 people a seminar, that would be pretty much it. Wow. Yeah, so. And each seminar is two days? Yeah. yeah. So you've actually, if we went nine hours, I'd do a quick calculation, nine hours, you're actually almost at 10,000 hours yep. of actually just teaching seminars. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. <sighs> what have you got, Australia? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing as good as that. Um, yeah, so born and raised in Sydney uh, and pretty much just happened to be, the school I went to was a big rugby school, so we learned all power cleans and so on and so on and that's where I got my little drips and drabs of CrossFit. Um, still had no clue what was going on, so I just happened to stumble, stumble into a CrossFit gym in Sydney uh, I think when, when I was like 17, 18, that was owned by Khan Porter. So worst places to go into. And then uh, that's where it just accelerated, I think, spending all day in there. Because it's not, it's not cheap. No. So yeah. it's fresh out, you know, fresh out of high school, like, you know, all your money just went into that. And then the weekend and all that. So it was just spending there all day. And they kind of just offered me that gig of doing your level one and go from there. And that's... Did you, when you were growing up, mate, what, what did you want to be? Did you have any clue? Uh, yeah, there was two, two main options. I wanted to always be a firefighter. Yeah. And I always wanted to play for the Wallabies. And oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. good, it's a good time not to be playing yeah. for them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like I've always had that, you know, been down that avenue of being in a gym environment as well growing up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so... Got down, got that gig at play and was there for a couple of years. Um, but, you know, it just got very bor boring and, the, you know, the members are quite the same and they're quite good. So looking for that next adventure, got a, got a gig in Abu Dhabi. How did you, did you know about Abu Dhabi? Like, did you know about the Emirates? I'm always interested here. Like, right. Simon grew up here, as, as did I. But, like, how people actually land up here in, like, full 2018. <laughs> yeah. Mate, Australia has no idea about the UAE. <laughs> like, like, so I had this the interview, walked out, and just the thing is I never told my mum. Right. So oh. I walked out and was just like, so uh, I've got 24 hours. I've got a job. 24 in, hours? Yeah. Okay. Well, they said to me, like, do you want the gig? And I was like, yeah. When can you come? Whenever? Tomorrow? Yeah, why not? No way. So I was wow. like, yeah, I got a gig uh, in Abu Dhabi. And she's like, what? Is that like, uh, like... Where is that, Egypt? Uh, <laughs> where, where? Um, but I knew, uh, so I met briefly for about 10 minutes, five minutes, Jamie and Elliot. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Simmons Green. Or, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So I met them. They dropped in. So that's how I kind of went through that avenue uh, to go to like Yas and all that. Yeah. Thing. Wow. Knew, but really knew no one. So, and, and lead, the, obviously the question leading on for that, mate, what was that first sort of, Two or three days in Abu Dhabi, oh, like yeah. Sydney to Abu Dhabi. That's a culture shock. 20, how old were you? 22, 21, 19? 20, 21. 12. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is about five years of facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> like, what was it like? Oh, I had no idea. So, like, when I got there, I literally just got dumped and I was living with a, a good friend now, a six year old bloke. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he was out working. So, I was just sat in the, the villa, like, like, what's going on? Like, what do I do? It would have been September as well, so it's quite hot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, just the culture shock as well. Like, everyone's, 
everyone's dressed up and you know and just <laughs> what do you mean by dressed up mate oh they're in there <laughs> they're in the candor and all that and all the culture stuff so i'm just sitting there going what is going on where am i like yeah. there has this to be a picture of you wearing one with the full headgear and stuff oh there is it there I, I don't think <laughs> I say but um but yeah so it was just a massive culture shock like yeah. and the thing as well is didn't know anyone yeah, yeah. so you kind of just sat on your own you kind of pick it up from there but at least there was you know something to do with work and all that but you enjoyed like you said mate from a young age you're involved in fitness you either wanted to be a firefighter which needs to be quite physically fit or a rugby player which also benefits from being quite mm. physically fit so like the transferability of that into like the environment you were coming into does that would that provide like a safety net for you like okay i'm just going to go and work in fitness anyway so should be cool yeah, it, it very much does. Like, I think when you do go into an unknown environment, like a different country, yeah. you're kind of a bit daunted. But I think as well, like I had to really back myself and rely on the skills that I learned in Sydney. Yeah. And unfortunately, that wasn't speaking to people of different cultures. So <laughs> it was literally, and you know, trying to coach them. So it was really understanding of like how to coach and how to get better at that. Yeah. And then you kind of build yourself around coaching people and being better at that job. That must be something, Simon, you've dealt with, like, insanely. You, you've taught, obviously, all the, the seminars that you've taught are in English. Not always. Not always. Translated. So tell us a little bit about sort of how that goes and, and dealing with people. Teaching, what I'm trying to get to is, like, teaching fitness yeah. to different nationalities yeah, and getting yeah, people yeah. to understand. Well, I mean, um, the UAE is a very interesting one because, yes, you know, everyone's got a, a relatively good understanding of English, but yeah. like conversationally, when it comes yeah. to actual like technical stuff, yeah. that's a different thing. No, but I remember um, when we started going into Europe and you know, when we started doing the first seminars in Asia, and it was like no English. So we, had really? a, we literally had a translator. We would, we would say a sentence, they would say a sentence. Wow. So we need to have, well, one, already have a different version of a lecture. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, um, I remember we did one of the first level twos in Korea, and... Um, like we didn't have a translator. We had to, he's on staff now. He's one of the flow masters, uh, Wanu. Like he was just there to take the course. Right. And he, and he was one of the only people in that room who could speak decent English and Korean. So we ended up just pulling him in and asking us to help us out. Really? Uh, and he was already doing a little bit of translation to level one, but the level two hadn't been fully translated yet. Wow. Um, what was really interesting is the mesh is still the same and they were so enthusiastic to learn. Yeah. So a lot of it was having to be very uh, in, in a way we had to be a bit more animated with what we need to get it done and yep. and since we couldn't use so many verbal cues we we had to be more visual with things or more tactile with things so we just had different strategies to approach it but those strategies were created because we didn't have much of a choice and when you when you say like different strategies yeah what of those do you use <laughs> and you can say how it goes yeah what of those like how do you teach people differently now even when English is the predominant language, like for example, in our gym, yep. how, do you, how do you do things differently? Um, a lot of it, like especially with, uh, like if I had to show a visual cue, I, I, I would literally exaggerate the worst movement possible, right. which is worse than what they did. And I'd always show an exaggeration of too good. Like it almost looks completely different to what I actually really want them to do, but mm. I kind of get something in the middle. Uh, and then also when I'm, uh, it's, it's allowed me to really, shrink down my coaching cues in a sense of it's 
do this. Uh, there's like there's no real room for explanation. Yeah. It's like, hey, I need you to make your knee do that. I need to make your elbow do this. And yeah. it's just where I've had to become, be, become very quick and efficient at doing it um, and just get rid of any fluff that I had. And even if I want to explain any more, I couldn't. And then just I, you were just constrained to that degree. When Simon started these times, so when, when he was became seminar staff, you were you just gone to high school, Kobe? I got on 2011. <laughs> I would have started high school 09. Okay, okay. so <laughs> you'd been a couple of years in high school. So that's just to put into <laughs> some context the, the age here. But, mate, when you coach, you you have this incredible presence in the room. Yeah. You're, you're incredibly clear. Like, how do you think you develop that? Because no one, you know, you, you look like you've had a tough paper round, so no one really knows <laughs> that, that, you know, how young you are because of the way that you sort of present yourself and, and get a room, a group of 15, 16 people to do what you want them to do. Um, you know, a lot of the credit, in all fairness, does go to Khan because when I did start coaching, Mm. He did, well, he pretty much said, we'll give you a job. Like, you go get your level one. And yeah. I think I interned for about four months. Yeah. Right. What did that involve? Because this oh. is, yeah. <laughs> he, was, he had to put you through the ring. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so, like, it was, you know, wake-ups. It was the whole thing. Like, I had to be there for every class for four months, mm -hmm. um, that whole interning process. Um, and it started off pretty chill. Like, you just kind of, you know, chit-chat, whatever. But then there'll be some times, and you've got people in there with shocking mobility, flexibility, yeah. like backs rounding, whatever, but like there's nothing they can do. Yeah. And he'd be like, go over there, fi you know, fix them. So I'd go over there, you know, okay, this is wrong, that's wrong. And I'd try and fix them. And they would like, couldn't fix anything. And I had no idea what was going on. And yeah. I'd look over and they're all just, you know, pissing themselves <laughs> laughing. Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of stitch ups. Like I'd be coaching a class and he'd be like, why are we doing this in front of everyone? And I'd be like, because uh, you told people. us to. Yeah, because like, you told us to. So, like, you know, I learned quite quickly under him, you know, the reason why, like, what's the purpose, how you want people to move. And also, it's, I guess you could say it's quite easy to just do a class and just survive the hour or just yeah. get through the hour. Whereas yeah. when you kind of challenge them, not challenge them just in a workout by physically moving, but when you cha challenge them by actually thinking, yeah. you kind of get them more engaged and yeah. they learn. And I think that gives you a bit more of a presence as well yeah. than yeah. just being that coach that kind of you know puts a clock on and hides in the corner. Yeah, you're invested in them. And it's, yeah. yeah. But I think you two are, obviously, Simon, with your background of, of, of fitness first and group exercise yeah. and then you mate doing a, a you know for those of you who don't know just check him out on Instagram Cam Porter or, or online he's what six or seven times been to the CrossFit Games mm. he's a he's an absolute monster, monster of a human being <laughs> boy. Yeah. to intern under someone like that and for you to have this path of like having to be in a studio teaching so many people sort of springs you forward yeah super fast like to learn how to work with a lot of people with a lot of different problems and you know well and you know really quickly if you're going to enjoy it or not yeah. <laughs> that's the other thing right because yeah. I, I was i mean i was really not the most talkative person in school i was quite shy and yeah. then i when i just started get, getting thrown into things and i'm like oh i'm in a room with 30 40 people make them do the stuff and yeah I'm like, uh okay and then i just I, I almost like you didn't have a choice your back's against the wall figure it out uh, I mean, you say it sounds like what kind yeah. of Kobe went through. Yeah. Like, hey, just try try fix this person, yeah. run this class, let's see what happens. And and but you learn so fast, yeah. and you find like your own styles. But you you really kind of at least at least for me, what 
what I really cherish the most is just having an opportunity to help someone. And that's yeah. one of my values. Just if I can help someone in any way, shape or form, I'll generally try and do it. Uh, just because it's sometimes it's either someone that they don't believe in themselves or that they can actually do it. But, but when you see they're that close to something and you can give them those small steps to take it, yeah. it just completely changes. Kobe, you keep on getting people that can't move, rounded backs, don't know their left from their right. Huh. There must have been times in those four months where you're just like, this is just... This is just you. This is like the worst job in the world. Yes. Oh, seriously. And like, it, it, it is, it does get frustrating. And then you've got like people in general just coming late or, you know, that yeah. whole scene as well. Yeah. Um, and then I think as well, like you just, like the fitness industry is hard. Yeah. I think everyone thinks, oh, you chill out all day, pina coladas on the beach, living the good life. Yeah. It's, it's hard. She's like, oh, you only coach two, three classes a day. I'm like, no. Yeah. No, yeah. Early morning, late nights on yeah. repeat. Um, and then, like, you know, Sydney's not cheap as well. So, it's a yeah. lot of sleepless night, two-minute yeah. noodles, yeah. wheat bix for dinner, yeah. Cocoa Pops. Like, <laughs> so, like, it, you kind of, I guess, as well, have to figure out how you're going to separate yourself from mm -hmm. the, the other coaches. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what can you provide differently, I think, is big. How did you do – when did you first realize that, mate? And then how did you – what did you do to try and sort of – because – I mean, these days, like, you rock up, you're teaching a class. It takes a few classes for people to really understand how good you are as a coach. Like, mm -hmm. a lot of people can just get their level one this weekend and fluff it yeah. on a Monday morning. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you've gone through fitness first. You've gone through through four months literally doing everything that Kant tells you to do. So, <laughs> what, what, what are those points? <laughs> <laughs> I just remember that one workout. <laughs> yeah. But um, when do you get to that point, mate, where you're like, okay, I need to be different and to be different, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. I think the biggest catalyst or turning point I had was when I realized that being an athlete or training for something yeah. is not a job, it's a hobby. Right. And then my job, my actual, what I do for a living is actually training people, making yeah. people better or, you know, achieving their goals. So that was definitely when I realized that training's on the side. Yes, you can give everything up and go for it, but... What the main source of income is fitness. Mm -hmm. You must see the polar opposite in a lot of people on in 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 CrossFit. I have, mate. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, I mean, the st stereotypical guy likes CrossFit, figures he can make a living from it, thinks he's going to oh. go to the games. He's definitely not, yeah. and really. I mean, he stands up in front of the whiteboard and he tells you how he did this workout just before you guys did it. He did it way better, but he died as well. And it's going to be the worst thing you've ever done. And guys, <laughs> go grab your PVC pipe. and We're going to start the yeah, workout. Yeah, the shirts to love to drink in a protein like, shake. Like literally, yeah. man, it's just horrible, right? Yeah, it's, it's, and that's where like, you know, we do this because we, we love it. In a sense, yeah. we really want to help someone out where some people are using the coach role as thinking about it as they're a full-time athlete. Yeah. And that's a huge difference because... I get it. When you're a serious athlete like that, you have to be selfish. And I understand that. For sure. But at the same time, if you've been given a role to coach someone, like a coach is a, a very big responsibility. 100%. And, and there's so much that goes into it. And it, it's you're more than just telling someone to move better. You're trying to understand mm -hmm. a person so you can get the most out of them. And that's like one of the biggest aspects of coaching because you, you, we coach everyone slightly different. Yes, yeah. we have the cues. And yes, we can plan out a class. But how you interact and, and like, you know, with a bunch of the members in here is like, you have to complete coaching completely different. Some people like to be shouted at. Some yeah. people need to be encouraged. Some people you need to show like that they can actually do it because they believe they completely can't. They can't. Yeah. And just have to, you know, show no weakness. <laughs> <laughs> when did you, it. when did you realize that mate? Because I'm, I'm sure like we, we all sort of start out in coaching 
Not from the same standpoint, but we, we love sport and, yeah. you know, we sort of go through. But when did you realize that, hang on a minute, there's every person I see is different. Every person is an individual and I've got to change accordingly. I mean, uh, I, when I was growing up here, I, I was really big into golf and uh, like I was, I was, you know, as a kid, like, hey, I'm going to be on tour and I'm going to do all that yeah. sort of stuff. And, you know, I just realized that I wasn't going to have the same opportunities as some of my friends. And, and it's just because at that sort of stage, you need quite a bit of money to go to certain places. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, okay, oh, cool. maybe I could go through the teaching route. And then I was sort of getting into the fitness side as well. And just how like every golf swing is very different. And, yeah. and it was, it's a very field based thing where yes, there's a lot of mechanics that goes in, but then what you want someone to do versus what you, what they actually look like is different. <laughs> so I remember as, uh, as kids, um, we would sneak in the studio cause the pros were pretty cool with us doing whatever. Cause we were there all day in the summer. And then we would just start recording each other's swings on the studio, comparing it to other pros. And then we, we would just sit there and try figure it out uh, and like coach each other through things. And then um, I, I was just like, well, I'm sure if I trained, because it was a pretty decent gym um, where I grew up at the, I, I played junior golf at the Dubai Creek. Yep. Uh, and I just started messing around in there and I was asked to train her stuff. And then uh, I was speaking to um, Andy Andrews recently, who runs an affiliate up in Sri Lanka. And we played junior golf together. He went right. on the Asian tour for a while. Yeah. And, he, and he goes, yeah, like the only reason why we all went to the gym is because you were already messing around and doing it yourself. Because my, my mind was already, well, if I can't do what they're doing, yeah. I'll find another way to help them. Or I'll find another way to get back into golf. And that was through training them. Wow. Um, that's why we got the little group going on. Yeah. In the golf <laughs> there we go. Which we'll, we'll come to in a second. Yeah. Let's stay a little bit on, on CrossFit because it's, yeah. it's current news. We've seen in the last 18 months, yeah. the CEO, the owner of CrossFit, Greg Glassman, moved to one side, he sold the business, mm -hmm. and now one of the other biggest, I guess the biggest personality left in CrossFit, arguably, some say Matt Fraser could be the biggest personality in CrossFit, but employed by CrossFit, a gentleman called Dave Castro, which yep. those of you that know CrossFit, know the CrossFit Games. He is the director of the CrossFit Games and also has a big role. Give us your sort of 60 seconds. What's happened in the last week in CrossFit, mate? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> <laughs> in um, 60 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, in short, so um, like Dave Castro was the director of the Games, um, but he's, you know, he was also sort of my boss. He kind of was working with Nicole in the education department. So yeah, basically, um, they were the people who, with their team, helped develop us to where we are. And they had, as one of his famous sayings, is the standard is the standard. And it's like, we never fought from it. We always challenged that. And um, recently, he got let go from the company, and it was a bit of a shock to everyone. Um, and it's just where we're, we're still kind of up in the air with everything at the moment. So, uh, I mean, for me personally, it was uh, quite upsetting. And, yep. and I think, because um, he's like... From my my side of things, we've obviously we've seen a different side of Dave. Like what Dave shows on at the games is, you know, to some degree, sometimes he's he acts as the villain. Yeah. But he's a totally different person. To like, he really cares about what he does and the integrity to uh, what CrossFit is and to what he does. It, it's so high. He'll, he'll never break that for anything. And um, so, I mean, in short, it's it's just been a bit of a shock to us. We're still a lot of it is just processing because we're not sure what's really coming next. Yeah. Um, but I mean, in regards, whatever he does after, he will be successful in that for sure. Um, he's just he's driven in that way, and he's he's made a lot of good relationships in the years. So, um, Kobe, your gut feeling on what will happen to the CrossFit Games without Dave Castro involved? Ooh. 
Ooh. Yeah. I haven't actually thought that far. That's a good question. <laughs> uh, it's going to be very interesting. So I think having a read and looking up, it's the second in charge taking over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I've kind of looked into it, not haven't, haven't looked into them too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, though, there's, it's kind of an unknown area yeah. what this guy's going to bring. Um, can't remember his name now. Justin Berg. That's it. Yeah, I mean, he's been helping, like, basically between Dave, Justin, and um, Boz, um, Adrian Bosman. Uh, and they've been basically the trio that have mm. made everything work. Mm. Um, so Justin was the, basically, whatever Dave needed to happen logistically, Justin would do that. Right. And then from, and then from workouts that he's created, him and Boz will have the standard of making that happen and then have a nice flow to it as well. I think it's going to be interesting, though, because you've taken out not just a cult figure, but someone with the knowledge and the experience who has oh created this. Yeah. And yes, there's the sports science side of, you know, muscles working and not working and all that. But then as a spectator, as entertainment, yeah. what's going to happen from there? Because, um, you know, people love to watch these people get, you know, hurt themselves on yeah. the floor. Yeah. And, you know, you'll have a workout like, say, acid bath, where it's just go to, you vomit. Mm. And then you might have a long chipper or something, but like, it is very much, uh, you know, you get to witness the fitness, but is it going to be spectacle? Is it not? Is it going to be bigger? Do you guys think that Castro was mainly about creating a spectacle? Or was he, or did he by default create a spectacle because of the way he was trying to test people? Hmm. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I I think, um, I remember one of the sayings in one of the documentaries, like this is the, this is the ultimate test to test Batman. Like, you yeah. know, it's just like the superhero test. Yeah. And I think where um, he was quite unique and like the documentary that just came out, um, they basically put all the footage together from the 2018 CrossFit Games. Right. And it was really cool to see because it was just where, um, that was just before all the national champions got involved. Um, but it was just where like the ideas he was coming up with and how they all kind of like melded together and how he tested people. Like yeah. one of them was the marathon row. Yeah. But it was crazy. You watched that and then we just had Milos do the 30 days and like every day he would finish, coach a class, have clients, yeah. have a chat with us. And then you just watch the athletes go through that and it just broke them. Yeah. Yeah. So he's so good at just being able to pick out and really challenge them with maybe things that they didn't think about. So yeah. he was really good mm-hmm. to think outside of the box. Kobe, you sort of insinuated there that maybe sometimes he wasn't from a scientific standpoint about fitness. Mm -hmm. It was more about spectacle and and how far he could push people. Give us your thoughts on that, mate. Well, I think like, you know, there's been some workouts. I always think of uh, regionals, Nate. Was it 10 Mm -hmm. rounds? I think four strict Mm -hmm. muscle-ups, handstand push-ups, and then kettlebells. And, you know, watching those kind of events, don't get me wrong, kettlebell snatch and all that, they're quite high skill but I think it's a 20-minute cap. People yeah. are just sitting in the stands watching continuous loops. Yeah. Um, whereas when you have like a snatch ladder or that, mm. that just gets a crowd screaming and yeah. throwing popcorn. Um, so I think, you know, there were some workouts that tested specific like time domains or specific muscle groups or skills under fatigue, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then there were some workouts he, he added or put in that just got everyone roaring. And I think every year there's always like, one day where it's like... Especially this is the in the stadium, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's like, this is the best day the Games have, has ever had. Every year, there's always that one day where it's mm-hmm. like, this is yeah. the best ever. But like, also, no one wants to sit and watch a marathon row. <laughs> <laughs> but, mate, I, I would argue you could program the same workouts or similar workouts that would be... What we're saying is jaw-dropping sort of things yeah. that really push these guys to yeah. the limit. You could do it, right? 
I back myself, but yeah, <laughs> you, you know, with like welcome to Comp Squad. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're in now. <laughs> Boom. Um, but yeah, look, I think as well, like like you just said, it's it's not rocket science. Mm. A yeah. lot of these like CrossFit's been around for 15 years or even longer now, yeah. and like combinations of movements. Yeah. Wow, yeah. So like combinations of movements and then like a comp setting of just to make people hurt yeah. and test that Batman theory or you know if they can hack it. Yeah. You know anyone can do it as well. Yeah. Um, you could just make someone do a max calorie on the bike. Yeah. Give them 30 seconds rest and do it again, and whoever gets the highest calories is the winner. Yeah. Um, Simon, in mid of 2020, when Glassman went through his binge drinking, uh, <laughs> let's call it whatever, <laughs> yeah. when he when he ended up losing his job and and and, and losing the company, there yeah. were a lot of people that thought that that was the end of CrossFit. That's yeah. you know, but what it actually proved 18 months later is that yeah, Greg Glassman invented this thing, did a good job, but this guy Eric's taken over mm -hmm. and. Yes, some people are not a CrossFit affiliate anymore, but thousands are, yep. and people are still getting fitter and better through CrossFit. Do you think, and, and Glassman, like a lot, people, people that started CrossFit in the last year probably wouldn't even know who Glassman is. No, not And at all. don't need to care, because the system is the system. They've got mm. guys like you that are touring around the world, teaching it, certifying people, helping people keep the standard. That's good, and that's bad, but... Will we not see the same for Dave Castro? Um, you can yeah. disagree with what I was just yeah, saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, like, like overall, it's a you know, it's an amazing system, and but in short, is and it's kind of like I mean, it was in the the post that you put out the other day. It's just it's a it's a great way to just make people better at life, you know, and that's that rings true to me always, and it's just where we can challenge people in the gym to when they can take on challenges in their real life, it's, hey, the workout was way worse. Everything else is going to be fine. Yeah. Um, now with, you know, with Glassman departing and now Dave departing, like all it is is um, Eric potentially has, uh, is, has got like a, a slightly different vision of what maybe he wants. Yeah. And I'm sure like, you know, there'll still be just as, as many affiliates. Um, a lot, I think a lot of the big stuff is going to be changing from the game standpoint, but I got no idea what that's going to be. Um, but I think overall, the day-to-day -day stuff of people coming in a gym and having fun and because of the community, that, that's never going to change. It's never going to change, no, is it? Not at all. It's like, it's just, it's made, it sounds weird, hard work fun. And yeah. Like in short, yeah. and it's just where, like there's a, like bonding through suffering. And it's just like, you know, the amount of people that you can meet in here and like they become like best friends. They have like CrossFit friends. Yeah. And then, <laughs> uh, or, or, or interfight friends. And then, <laughs> uh, and then, or when they go talk to their friends outside, they're like, well, you guys are nuts. Well, yeah. You're just crazy. Why, yeah. why are you doing what you're doing? I was like, well, I, I got to go do this cool stuff. And then I, I go have coffee upstairs. Yeah. You know, it just becomes this almost new world that you just yeah. can't believe that. I, why didn't I do this before? Yeah. So it doesn't really matter who's no. the figurehead, and and, and I, I think sadly, yeah, because mm. I like Castro. I think yeah. he's, I think he's, in certain situations, I think he's been quite arrogant on on the games. He gives this persona. Yeah, uh, you look at the what people have said about him. Yeah. You know, now he's not there, and you know, I, I, and I think he's done a he's done a good job. I yeah. remember watching it back in the ranch in in yeah. Aromas in two thousand and seven and two thousand and eight, and he's there and he's with the athletes and he's close to them. And you know, there's a, there's a lot of things, but yeah. I think it'll be I think it'll be different this year for yeah. sure. And everyone will be like, oh, this is not mm. how Dave used to do it. Yeah. But yeah. I think within two or three years, and I think one of the guys who who I've seen a lot is 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 Adrian Bos yeah. Bosman. Bosman. Yeah. yeah, who's 
also been around for a long time. A so long what's time. unique, what's really cool with Dave and Adrian is like they were they were seminar staff first. Correct. Yeah. So they did all that before the games was even invented, and yeah. that like you know they were. Uh, I know my second internship, uh, Balls was the flow master, so he was assessing me with a few other trainers. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, my very first seminar as a participant, uh, Glassman was there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then you know I met Dave a little later on, but it, like he, you know, he's he's one of the originals. Yeah. Um, so it's just where there were kind of what we were talking about earlier on is there were there were coaches first. Yeah. And yeah. then they were given these different roles, um, just like when we get on staff, we're we're coaches. We're not lecturers. Yeah. And we had to learn how to lecture and how to read the room and communicate with people where we didn't. We weren't fixing people's movement. Yeah. We were trying to deliver, you know, the the core message of the CrossFit methodology. Yeah. Kobe, for you, as what I would call an aspiring CrossFit athlete. Yep. Not to make you sound not good already, mate. And also, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but I mean, mate, you you have some quite aggressive goals in CrossFit. You also started a group here, Comp yep. Squad, which is preparing people. Does your feeling towards the CrossFit Games initiative, be it the Open, Regionals, however that works now, and the Games itself, does that change, mate? Or is the desire for, is it just a desire for competitive fitness? Who cares if Castro's right in the workouts or Simon? Exactly that. There's, there's no care of what happens behind the scenes or the background. There's, yep. there's the target, you know. Just crack on. Just go. Because um, at the end of the day, you know, everyone can turn around saying, oh, it was, it was more difficult when Castro was doing it, or it's, it's diff more difficult now, but at yeah. the end of the day, the goal's, you know, that spot's the spot. Yeah. And it is what it is, it right? It is what yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah. No one can take that away from you as well. Yeah. I it's have still, to say, I'm, be a test, I'm so. not excited about the comparison of, oh, Castro wouldn't have programmed this. Yeah. yeah. Because what comes out for the Open, which starts in five or six weeks or less, is what comes out, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. And the test is the test, and if you're well prepared, you should be okay with it. And that's what, I think that's half the thing that's annoying. You've got these people who are coming out and saying that stuff, or, you know, Castro could have done this, or yeah. could have done it like that, or whatever. But these are the people who sat on their couch saying, oh, I could have been at the games. Well, yeah. They're the same people. So, <laughs> you know, I should have, could have, would have. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, even if you, like, pull that back, like, even just with you running classes, mm. and then, you know, they've got, you know, they, we've all gone through the period where, like, a member will pipe up and go, oh, we should do this and this and this. Yeah. I'm like, well, you do it. Yeah, it's, it's a different ball game. Like we don't say like, "Hey, if they're a banker or an accountant, like we're not going to go, hey, we can do your job.'" Yeah, it's just it's a different skill set. That would be quite interesting. If anyone is a banker or an accountant, or even we throw in a lawyer that wants yeah. to coach for us one day, and oh, I love it, we'll put on the suit and go and yeah. uh, <laughs> shuffle the paper. Because yeah. I mean, <laughs> job uh, swap. I mean, Kobe mentioned it before, but I remember when I was uh, when I was running my gym and I'll go away for a seminar and come back. It's like you're going to all these countries. And you're going, you're like I'm like mate it's not a holiday <laughs> like i am i am non-stop like yeah. working all those that full weekend with travel and jet lag and all sorts and like you know like we talked about with dave before the standard is a standard it doesn't matter which country you're in or how much you've slept yeah. or how far you travel like the the level of the seminar always has to be the best and yeah. the same thing when you run a class it's there's no off day do you think that Let's close out a little bit of CrossFit. And, but before we do, mate, do you, you've said Castro's the standard is the standard. Yeah. And he had a Marine stroke Navy SEALs career, was in there for I, I don't know how long. He seems incredibly disciplined. Yeah. Do you think that's what's kept a certain amount of discipline within CrossFit? 
Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think with that and then just where even when, when Glassman um, was running everything is like it, it was one of the first places where there were very strict sort of movement standards, especially when the open really started. But I think where with Dave having the background that he has and it was just, you know, being a Navy SEAL and going through some of the, the hardest training regimes known to man mm. and then being able to kind of, I mean, and around that time when he was when on staff that we had uh, other military people as well. So yeah. it was kind of like this old school or old yeah. guard mentality of just like we have all these ex-military guys and, you know, they've had like super disciplined to what they they have done and just kind of slowly instilled it within all of us yeah and that's where like even like the feedback on the seminar is like hey you did shit you did shit you did shit and and i told you and they're like okay now go fix it yeah and then same thing if they were running a class so the old level two used to be a practical test and i had a like 80 percent failure rate wow so out of 20 people maybe up to four people passed most probably it was like two to three uh and it was just where that's how hard the, the assessments were. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, for uh, going forward, that practical test is not there at the yeah. moment just because it was that we need to give him the tools to develop those skills to, to be a better coach versus like, hey, coach these movements, go and assess them. And that's where it just it got uh, pretty difficult. But the people that made it through were like Dave and, yeah. and all the kind of the OG, the old guard of yeah. the seminar guys. And it's just because they, they were held at the highest standard, which is something we're trying to instill throughout the culture. Kobe, without saying that all people of your generation don't have high standards and, and have poor discipline, mate, you're, <laughs> I, I believe that a lot of them don't, but you're, you're quite different. You, you have high standards. You understand what hard work is. That's, that's pretty much why we gave you a job here, mate. Like, <laughs> it's true, right? Like, that's what we're looking for in a coach. Where do you think that's, like, whilst a lot of your generation don't have that, mm. why do you have it? Oh, gee. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I've got no no idea, to be honest. Um, it's a very tricky one to actually answer. Yeah. I think as well, like six years of boarding school kind of kicks you, up, kicks you up the ass a bit. Yeah. That's probably the answer, There's right? There's the answer right there. Yeah. Um, but, and, you know, I think as well, it, you, we did get taught at boarding school and then, you know, training at, training at play and then Vogue and all that yeah. is that, you know, you can pretty much talk what you want, yeah. but if action's you know, so obviously speak louder. If you're not going to put the work in, you won't get the result. And mm. then I think you can only hold yourself accountable through that standard. So you've got the expectations high, but then the only person who holds that accountable is yourself through those standards. Yeah. Um, and it is, it, it, you know, it can be easy to just take the foot off the pedal. I, I've done it. I'm, I bet everyone's done it before. Yeah. But then as well, like it, you do it the right way in every way as well, even when no one's looking. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Let's move on to a little bit about what you guys do here. Kobe, kick us off. We've spoken uh-huh. about Comp Squad, running through the different programs, stuff that you teach. Promote yourself, mate. This is your chance. Oh, cool. So, um, <laughs> he's excited now. Yeah, can answer this one. He's pricked up. Yeah. <laughs> Coffee's kicked in. Yeah, so we kicked off Comp Squad uh, on Saturday. Sorry, Sunday. 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 Yesterday. Yeah, getting used to that. Yesterday. 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 Yeah. yesterday. Um, so, yeah, so... Pretty much we want to get members who are quite at that, you know, decent, good level to prepare them for competitions like the Open and actually get a group going to, like, your turf games, all those local comps um, around uh, local comps and just upping that skill a bit because 
you know, they're ready to take on that next step. They want to learn those little kind of tricks and tools of the trade as well. Mm -hmm. um, and it's pretty cool. It's just a throwdown sesh. Like I'm not, we're, we're not training in it. We're just watching and yeah. having a good laugh and just giving them tips and tricks, but also showing them that, you know, the roof doesn't stop. Like mm -hmm. you can keep pushing past it. There's always that extra gear. There's always more. And, you know, I think one of the biggest things we get asked is, does it ever get easier? <laughs> well, technically... Yes, but you get better, so to, you know. Yeah. So you have to go harder. Everything standards go up. Um, so yeah, we do the comp squad. That's on a weekend. Yep. Uh, personal training, group training, uh, PT groups, and the circuit class, the mainline classes as well, which is like the CrossFit style. Yep. But yeah, it's good crack. Simon. Yep. Few programs that you're running. Um, well, I've got a goal strong, and that's. Uh, kind of something that we spoke about earlier on, that was my way of being able to help golfers um, just be able to play better golf. And just the conversation I would had with people, because I took a 15-year break from golf, and then I didn't yeah. play in, 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 a, in a relatively small amount of time. I'm, I'm at a same or if not better standard than I was as a junior. Uh, and then we're just hearing them, like they're, they're taking painkillers to get through a round. And um, like, crazy, yeah, right? like, you know, they, they won't be able, they're not able to hit the ball that hard because if they go full tilt they're going to hurt themselves or mm. um there was a guy that um we were playing in a scratch league so our our golf club was against another one and he um he pulled his back step, walking out the bunker and i was like that this, wow. can't, this can't be and then um so the people i've gotten in at the moment and it was yes they want to be able to uh, swing faster and and all that sort of stuff but this this things that they're realizing is like oh they got more focus on the golf course now they're able to like one of them is like hitting the ball one club further so that's an extra five to ten yards on every shot that he's hit and that's wow. and that's huge and you know they're, they're coming in twice a week uh and and that's sort of like my the, the program i'm really trying to push at the moment because it's just where like basic fitness without any of those gimmicky weird funky like pieces of equipment like <laughs> just do the basics really well and then we can start layering it on so like good level of fitness you can build strength you can build stability and mm. then from there you can really pump on the accelerator and really push uh, push speed because that's really what a lot of the golfers really want nowadays well mate i hand it to you you my dad couldn't swim front crawl for about the last five years and you did a few sessions with him and now he can do front crawl again so yeah, he's yeah. very happy <laughs> your dad was awesome it was, so, <laughs> it, was, it was just so good to hang out with him i'll just get the little stories and stuff like that and then, uh, i was that really funny story he said like he got you like a mountain bike yeah. in the UK yeah. and then I think you, you all moved back to Dubai and then yeah. he had to buy the bike off you so he yeah. basically bought the bike twice he bought the bike twice yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think I actually sold him a car at one point as well no way. yeah he bought me a car and then uh, I sold it back to him okay yeah so he's, he's paid twice for a car and twice yeah. for a bike yeah he but doesn't have the car anymore but he's still got the bike <laughs> oh, no yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah it was just really cool just to I mean just to kind of hang out with him and just show like um you know, we can work around and develop the things that he still wants to do and just yeah. being able to get him to do it. I think that's one of the, I, I don't think that's just for someone of my dad's age. He's no. 75, 76, but it's something that I've seen both you guys do for no matter who you're working with. It's like, okay, and, and you said it earlier, Kobe, when you were doing that internship, like someone's got a problem, mm. how do you help them to get a little bit better, to move better, to be pain-free? And that's what mm. you guys are almost like, this curiosity around human movement mm. is something that you, I know you guys talk together a lot about and you sort of you share it because it's like okay that's not working like that what can I do and it's it's almost just I mean guys don't get me wrong we're not absolute geniuses we're not physiotherapists but there's a 
it's almost like fixing a car or, or fixing anything. The human body, we just go from one point to the next yep. and, and just check it out, right? Yeah, 100%. And I think where, you know, and that's why I, I really love um, being here is just everyone's willingness to keep learning and being open to feedback, but and also like, hey, like, hey, I've read this book. I've listened to this podcast. What do yeah. you think of this? And then it just becomes this really cool dialogue. And I think that's where one, the best questions get answered. But I think when we're helping people out, and just you're almost looking at the movement the same way. It's like, oh well, if I make him do that, why does it, why does he or she not respond the same way as so and so? Yeah. And then where you know something I've been really digging into recently is a getting someone in the right position is not always the best thing. And I know that sounds weird. Yeah. In, in yeah. a sense of like, a position is a position, but if they have if they don't have good tension in that position sometimes they're, they're going to be fucked because they can get the range, but they're not strong enough in that range. And yeah. that's where you're going to get a lot of problems. So teaching people how to create the right tension, do they actually feel it in the right place on their body as they're moving? Because, you know, what people, everyone's bodies are very good at compensating. And if you don't understand that when they, you know, they can do a wall ball or a burpee or, or pull-ups, but then they can make it look a certain way, the way we want. But then if they're internally, like, you know, if you're doing a bench press and ask them, do you feel your chest? And they say, no, I'm like, why? <laughs> yeah. Or if, you know, a great one is if they're doing squats, ask them where they feel it. Half the people will say, I feel it in my quads. Half the people say they feel it in their butt and hamstrings. And it's like, yeah. why? Because yeah. it's just like the positions maybe can be, for example, identically the same, but how they're creating tension are completely different. Yeah. yeah. Super interesting. There we have it. We've rattled on for about 45 minutes. Unless, uh, Kobe, if you want to share any more words of wisdom with us, mate. Get go, down to Comp Squad. Getting quick. It's <laughs> filling up. <laughs> Don't forget, go full send. Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, you quite like music as well, eh? I do. Yeah. Where does your love for music come from? Oh. Oh. I think I was ever, like, played guitar, didgeridoo and all that, bass guitar growing up. Yeah. But Wait, you played didgeridoo? Yeah. Awesome. Not good at it, but... Okay. That's cool. Decent enough. <laughs> but, um... It would have been on. It would have been when I got it actually into coaching. Okay. Um, like everyone plays, you know, techno, EDM, yeah. house, and then you got someone like Andy who plays. Oh, don't what, even know. What does he actually like? What genre would you class Andy's music in? I think Andy and me are pretty similar. I'd just so. say hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen to this, right? Still busy listening to his shit music. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, gee, but um, no. So yeah, that's how I kind of got into that. Um, you know, like everyone loves listening to music while they're just thrashing their head and yeah. doing burpees or whatever it is. Yeah. And then it just kind of, oh, that makes good. That's cool. That's cool. And then just build up from that. But starting to find that I'm liking a little bit more out of the out of the ordinary now. I've kind of grown out of that EDM-y mm -hmm. house a bit. Yeah. Like I went to, I was saying to you, I went to a jazz bar on the weekend. Yeah. yeah. Uh, random, but it was good crack. So would you do Jazz Thursdays 5.30 crew or...? Oh, <laughs> maybe not. Probably get booed out. <laughs> you probably get one I'm of the sure, bankers I'm sure, coaching. I'm sure you can find a little playlist. You can one put of the together. bankers get up there, will coach. Do you <laughs> find, mate? Th this is actually a, a, an honest question, and, and people might listening might have an opinion on this. Do you, Do you find that if you play good music, only a few people would would notice it? But if you play music that I don't know, if, it, if it's not just in with the energy of the room, then lots of people notice it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I always like I always joke around to members and say. You could be the worst coach on earth. Yeah. But if you have banging tunes, yeah. you're 100%. Like, yeah. you're the best coach in the gym. Yeah. Like, you could be given, teaching someone how to squat while they're doing 
bench press. Yeah, like, yeah. totally wrong. If your <laughs> tunes are on point. But the momentum changes oh, yeah. for, totally. for good or for worse. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like, I, I've seen it. Like, I mean, it's been me. Like, the next song will come on. I'm like, oh, shit. And yeah. Like, and you've got it. some members just turning around mid-workout on the bike, suffering, just going, tune with yeah. the, yeah. the big <laughs> So, like, I think as well, like, when it's proper good, yeah. they love yeah. it. But like you said, if you put on just crap, yeah. they notice quite quickly. Yeah. yeah. They notice real fast. Do you pick different playlists for different class times? Yes. And different movements as well, so different type of workout? Uh, or do we not get that? Uh, so I've kind of <laughs> <laughs> no, like I've actually thought like about it quite accepted. a bit. No. <laughs> so like in um, warm-ups and stuff, I'll play kind of like your, your old school house or just yeah. chilled stuff, mm-hmm. even a bit of like Disclosure, Deep House and stuff like that. But then when it comes to like... And sometimes if it's like the morning class, 5.30, and it, like they love their old school house, but also they love their, especially here, they love their ACDC, their yeah. rock and roll. Rock and roll, Arctic yeah. Monkeys, Those guys, yeah. Wombat, you know, stuff like that as well. Um, but then like, you got to be careful with like techno, like proper yeah. Berlin stuff. <laughs> I remember walking into Boz's class once and I could hear it from upstairs. I looked in there and they're just doing like, whatever, you know, cat and cow or whatever <laughs> she's just got <laughs> away from it it's 7.30 so I was just like oh. she's busted out of oh yeah <laughs> pumping and they're just doing their stretches I was like oh okay she's having a good time oh she's having it yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah sometimes just depends yeah I don't know about yours though what, what's yours like I find a decent playlist I either follow one of Marcus's <laughs> I've played a few of Jamie's and I just play Jamie's uh, got I'm, some good stuff yeah he's got some really cool stuff and it's just where because um, I, I mean my I guess my music upbringing. I used to remember movie. Uh, sorry, I used to remember music from movies. So I, like yeah. you, you play a song. Like, oh, it's from this movie. Yeah, right. And and that's like people go. Well, do you know the name of the song? I went no. No. <laughs> but yeah. I know it's from this movie yeah. in the scene. Like I was very specific with yeah. that because um, I was just I, I grew up just watching movies and, and TV shows. So it's just where that that's where it stuck the most. And then when I got into CrossFit, it was the old school rock stuff. Yeah, it was ACDC, Black Sabbath, like and, yeah. and Iron Maiden, and I was like, cool. And I just got into it. Yeah. Um. So I'm happy to play that all the time. But I think as as well for me is like when, like when I'm training within about the first ten to thirty seconds, I I, can, I don't even hear the music anymore. Yeah, it's, it's just real. Go. Um, so, so sometimes like you know it's something that I mean Marcus is giving me feedback on it just to have a, a bit of a think about it was just where I'm like okay well how can I get that you know it, if there everyone everyone's like working at a 9 or a 10 how do I get up to 11 how do I get to 12 and that's not just being very specific with the songs you pick and make a big difference mm. there we go we'll wrap up on, on trying to be DJs <laughs> yeah. ladies and gentlemen check these guys both out they teach mainline classes as simon said he teaches a program called golf strong kobe teaches boot camp comp squad and they both take care of people on a one-on-one basis so even if you don't live in the country you want to connect with them i will put links to them in the show notes but appreciate it guys thanks for your insights and thanks for the invite yeah yeah. look forward to getting you back and talking more about edm house music wonder how many people i'm I'm having a lesson with don't know what edm stands for I actually Googled it. Not now. Okay, like, just checking. A while back. When they first started. Anyway, we'll leave it <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot for listening. We'll catch you next Thank time. You.